Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. We're here to talk about Clear. Not enough C's for you guys. Uh, <laughs> Clear number three, uh, which actually came out last week, but with the holidays and being super busy, 12 Days of Spawn, Myths, and all that, uh, Rocky and I haven't had a chance to review it until now, but we definitely wanted to because this book continues to be amazing. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's too soon to call it a book comic. <laughs> it will be in print eventually from Dark Horse. But oh my God, is this like the perfect example of what the medium of comics can do with gorgeous art and a, and a fantastic story. Like each issue in my mind has subsequently got, gotten better and I'm more drawn into the world that Scott Snyder and Francis Manipal have, have created here. So Scott's the writer, Francis Manipal is the artist, uh, but clearly there's, you know, Francis has written comics on his own before with uh, Brian Buccioletto. So, you know, Francis is a fantastic storyteller on his own, which again, helps inform the art. I'm sure Francis is heavily involved in, in, you know, the plotting as well. Uh, but, you know, this is two creators passionate about a project that they own, um, just crafting a fantastic story. Uh, like I, I don't want this title to end. Um, or if it, if this particular story of, of Sam Dunes finishes, man, I mean, sky's the limit, right? When you talk about what can, what stories can be told in this world of, uh, of clear. So I, I loved the third issue. What'd you think, Rocky? I, I think it's really good. Uh, you know, I, I, we live in a day and age that when, whenever we review comic books, it, it's very cliche for, for me to say, and I've said it more than once, and you certainly have as well, about how a comic book is made for a Netflix movie <laughs> or a Netflix series. But man, this one, because, it's, because it deals with future technology and these veils creating sort of like illusions for, for society and, and how we can sort of create our own worlds where the virtual world becomes our reality and that, that distinction between what's real and what isn't and trying to escape reality versus, uh, you know, at what point does it become, does technology become uh, you know, a negative. And, and in the midst of this is a very human story of a tragedy, of, of a murder, of, of, es of basically almost like corporate espionage and a very touching human story about loss of a, of a, of a child and, and not in the loss of a wife. And this, this detective Sam Dunez is wrapped up in all of it. And it's just, this really has all the elements of a really great story, a great movie, whatever the hell it is. It, it could be, it could be anything depending on what they do with it. And, but hey, let's just enjoy this for the comic book that it is. A very well written comic book. We're only three issues in. I'm not even sure. How many issues is this? Uh, do you know, Jace? This is supposed to be. I thought that these books were typically going to be four issues, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I know the next wave is getting ready to start with barnstormers and, and some other titles next month, I think. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure um, how many, how many issues it's supposed to be, but I mean, based on the, the pacing and what, what happened here, I would think, and, and you know, not that I don't doubt that Scott Snyder and Francis Manable could satisfyingly wrap this up in one more issue, but I would be a little bit surprised because again, I think there's so much to dig into. I would think, two or three more issues uh, at least. But again, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. And, you know, the other aspect of it is, like I said, I'm sure Scott has other stories he can probably tell in this world, Scott and, and Francis both. Um, but I, I, it's hard to say 
you know, I'm hearing different things about digital lately. It's, it's maybe the numbers aren't as big as we thought they were, but you know, maybe this is driving subscriptions. Does Comixology wait and see how well it sells, you know, when it gets printed and then decide on another volume? Like I, I, I don't know any of those logistics at all. It'll be something really great to talk with Scott about the next time he comes on. We're planning on having him back on uh, next month in January. So uh, we can talk about kind of the the logistics and, and the analytics and, you know, can he, can, can he, can uh, Comixology, can Dark Horse tell how well this is selling? You know, because uh, again, not to put too fine a point on it, but obviously they're not going to continue something that's not making them money. They are in the business of, uh, you know, making money or at least not losing money. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, like you said, Rocky, this, this, I want this to go on for a long time. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, you know, it's unfortunate because I would definitely pick this up at a comic shop. So if there is it, like, we don't know the numbers, but if there is an unfortunate large difference between the digital versus physical sales, obviously this, this, this doesn't have physical sales, but uh, it's unfortunate because this definitely deserves I mean, this is this is a better written comic than I would easily say ninety percent of the comics I'm reading out there presently. Uh, it's 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 that good. I mean, this this is a this is a, a must read every month for me. This is a, this is really good, and, and I'm glad that we're giving it some attention, and I'm hoping more people give it the attention it deserves. Yeah, and we again we know, and Scott has said many times on you know he said it on our show, he said it in other interviews he's given. Hundred percent of the best jacket projects. They're going to be in print. Some of them may not be in print right off, like Noctera in print right from the start, right? These yeah. Comixology originals, they're digital first, but they all, all six of the best jacket projects that got announced that are Comixology first, they all will be in print eventually. Um, usually about six months after they're released in digital, they will get a print version. What we don't know is what sort of format, right? He said some of them may be released just as a collected edition some like we know uh for example we are demons is going to be released in um in single issue form with i think some variant covers so yeah yeah here, here's here's the thing right when a comic is this good and this comic is that good even though i've read it digitally even though i have it in my you know amazon prime kindle unlimited library and I can read it anytime, anywhere I have internet access. I want to own this comic in print because it's that good, right? And, and as, a, as yeah. a collector and as somebody that just wants to support an artist and just as somebody who went a and, and this, I think this is true of a lot of collect, maybe not the newest collectors that have only ever read digitally, but I think for a lot of comic readers, when you love something, you want that tangible asset right you want that tangible comic to be able to hold in yeah. your hands uh and i i i think this would be a fantastic trade um yeah. i i think i think i would prefer this as a trade as opposed to single issues but if it comes out single issues i'll i'll i'll, I'll probably buy it in single issues yeah and oh, and, yeah, I, and i feel compelled to say that if people out there if you if people love the brew baker and phillips sort of style 
Uh, this does have sort of a crime, future crime loss feel to it. But just the the, the formula that Brewbreaker and uh, Phillips uh, seem to have is that they've they've created for themselves their own niche and uh, their own niche and their own style of storytelling. And Scott Snyder has done that himself as well. He's got he's always got sort of a little bit of a horror element to all whatever genre he delves in. There's always a darker element that Snyder explores, and he does it very well with We Are Demons here with uh, with Clear. And with Night of the Ghoul, and if you know, if he keeps these stories like four to six issues, store issues, or whatever they might be, I mean, he could really create for himself a niche because he's already built for himself quite a good reputation uh, as a reliable uh, uh, writer when it comes to these types of stories. So this is definitely in his wheelhouse. And with him working with different artists, he's got one up on Brewbreaker to the extent that he sort of is working with different artists, which might have mixed results but he he uses it very well he chooses his artists very very well to fit the narrative he's telling yeah and you know again we'll, we'll have to wait and see what what sort of format but i i agree with you I, I you know i know scott's trying a lot of different things and a lot of it has to do with you know yeah how do we grow the the reader base we know there's not spinner racks anymore i mean i certainly bought my first comic off a spinner rack and you're not just going to walk into a convenience store be able to peruse a, a spinner rack as a kid you know it's not going to be at the near the checkout stand at your grocery store where you you know it's m sort of an impulse buy so the the digital space i feel like is is the spinner rack and you know it has its own sort of uh drawbacks uh, certainly but um you know i think that we definitely need new new readers and so i i saw some people complaining oh you know why why is it only you know, why is it only digital? Well, you know, it's digital for now, but it'll definitely, it'll definitely be coming out, you know, as a, as a print, um, as a, as a, uh, as a print comic at some point. So we'll just have to, we'll have to wait and see, um, how that all plays out. But, um, you know, Rocky, you mentioned the, the story here in, in clear three, starting with, with some tragedy and, uh, you also mentioned the, the crime noir feel. We, we, we've talked about that in the previous two issues where, uh, you know, this detective Sam Dunes, this, this private investigator who's in this world of veils where technology is, which is, so, you know, so interesting. It's the whole sort of juxtaposition of, of technology supposed to making the world smaller and bringing us all closer together. And the pendulum has swung so far in the world of clear that it's actually doing the opposite and it's isolating people because they're using these veils to see the world the way they choose to see it. But that may be, you know, if I don't see it, this, the world the same way as the person next to me, we're, we're experiencing two different realities. That's going to, you know, put a wall up between us. Um, so it's that mixture of, of tech, which is meta uh, because it certainly seems like social media and what have you drives walls bet between society these days, with all the divisiveness and whatnot. Um, but the background story, the, the bones of the story being this crime noir, very much this gumshoe pulp uh, story about a, you know, a detective. And in the first issue, we even had the, the beautiful damsel in distress in his office and whatnot. So there's, a, there's an aspect to, to crime noir of the main character being sort of this tragic figure, having some you know, awful things happen to him in the past. And um, for the first time, we're we're exposed to that and, and how Sam Dunes has experienced that. And what's so interesting is the way he, he presents that to us. He talks about the fact that 
there's painful memories, right? And people don't want to deal with the pain and the bad memories in their life. And in those cases, that's when you might want to put the the veil, right? With this, the skin that you put on the world to see it. And he talks about how the word veil comes from the Latin root vellum, which means sail. And, and in a way you're trying to sail away from your failures or the painful events of your past. And for him, <laughs> he's been through so much pain and trauma in his life that he says, I, I don't want to get away from the hard times of my life or the pain of my life. He's like, give me those all day. He's like, what's harder to deal with is remembering the the good times, being exposed to the good times, those memories in your life where you were at the pinnacle, you were at your happiest, everything was going your way, and you made you know promises to yourself uh, that, that this was going to improve your life and make you a better person. And those are the those are the things that he wants to get away from, right? And so when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, that is a really screwed up way to think, right? Like you have so <laughs> much pain in your life and you yeah. think your life is so crappy that you he wants to wallow in it, right? And again, it's a, it's a little cliche. It's a little um, stereotypical for a, a detective main character of a pulp story to want to to wallow in that, but yet they're stereotypes for a reason, right? And uh, and it's the and, pain and, and part of the part of the pain of the painful memories that he hangs on to is the loss of his son Baxter, uh, which was which is what starts off the story. So I agree with you that it's kind of a dysfunctional way for detective for Sam Dunez to think, it, and it it is. But but yet, is it any more screwed up than than thinking the opposite and then escaping your life? through using a veil which is the which is what the rest of the society does in the you know in this universe where clear takes place so as much as sam dunez you know does have maybe sort of a twisted almost uh debilitating dysfunctional way of looking at it he, he's clinging to his pain perhaps in an unhealthy manner is it any more unhealthy than trying to escape reality because the most of society in the world of clear is escaping reality, even when reality might not be so bad. But they, they would rather create create a fake reality than try to make make the, their existing one the best that it can be. And and there, there's a tragedy to it, both in terms of the character of Sam uh, Dunez, but also the the society at large. So it's 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 very well done by Snyder, and it definitely is. It's kind of depressing in a way. So I, we'll have to. I'm curious to see how he's going to end this, Snyder. Yeah, it's 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 hugely depressing, and the thing about it is, you kind of wonder, okay, what what is this guy doing, and and why is he doing? Like he talks about, okay, well, I can't, I, I can't get away from from the the good times in my life. Like that's what actually brings me pain, and you sort of understand it when you see the tragedy that's befallen him, right? Like if you want to think back to to losing a son, right? Do you want to think about the happy day that you thought when that in the joyous time that it was when he was born, like the day of his birth, right? Or do you want to think about the day that he he passed away because you're you're stuck in that moment, you can't move past it. All you can think about is what could I have done different? How could I have saved him as opposed to looking back to that day he was born and thinking, well, what kind of person was I on that day? What what a what a naive idiot I was on that day. You know what I mean? So, you know, in a way it's like he, I get where he's coming from, but he, 
when he's saying it's the happiest moments, even his happy moments are bringing him pain, right? And in a way, his happier moments bring him more pain because it's farther to fall. As opposed to if he remembers back to like, so the the tragedy with this car accident when his son passed away, um, if he's remembering that, at least he can remember his son on that day. But the fall, the the difference in in level of happiness between that day and where he's at now is smaller. So in a way, it's sort of limiting his pain. But he doesn't, you know, obviously he's he's depressed and, uh, you know, he he can't forgive himself for what's happened. And and so that's sort of the the way he looks at it. And one of the one of the narrative uh, ways that that Snyder masterfully uses that that memory of the final moments with his son and with with that car accident is that at the time of the accident, his wife, Kendra, uh, and their their son, Baxter, they were helping Baxter with his homework. And uh, Kendra, who is very good with tech, was was creating a veil to sort of help Baxter with his homework. And it was the veil that caused the distraction that caused the car accident. And it was it was that it's not just that. I mean, you understand right away why 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 the lead character had a falling out with his wife and you you know immediately why he hates the technology because it's yeah. related to the loss of his son and it works so well and then to top it off there's something about that memory that might lead to the resolution there's something about when Kendra was Kendra his wife was murdered because of something she knew because of some shared veil that she was working on and she gives him this watch and it's perhaps something planted in that memory of his final moments that perhaps is going to help him solve the central mystery of this. And it's, it's so, it's so neatly wrapped, wrapped up in that one moment of tragedy that not only defines the character of detective Nunes, but might very well lead to the resolution of the central mystery. I think maybe I'm wrong, but so far this seems like a very impressive, neat little uh, story bundle here. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. You know, like you said, when you see the tragedy that befalls them, you you can totally understand that Sam definitely blames the technology, and so it's no surprise that he doesn't want to use veils. So after that opening scene, which it again masterful st- storytelling from Scott Snyder here to explain how this happened, right? So we saw at the end of last issue where uh, Snyder went to confront this this group this group of refugees, the fifteen eighteen. And they, they basically shot him, right? So as he's laying there dying, he has his life flash before his eyes. And, and that's basically the moment that he sees, the, the moment uh, that his son died uh, tragically. And he's not quite dead. He's, he's looking at his watch. He's staring at his watch. Remember, you know, his wife just gave him the watch. Um, and it, it, the hands of the watch are always the same. He says, these are the hands that will never disappear. And we see in a flashback, fantastic nine panel grid page from Francis Manipal, sort of the fallout after his son had passed away, right? We see him with his badge, because remember, he used to be a cop and he's drinking in a bar. Then we see him um, fighting with, with Kendra. On the next uh, panel, we see him coming home and on the counters, uh, a divorce, some divorce papers says dissolution of marriage. We see him punching out a superior uh, in the next panel. We see him standing outside the police department, cardboard box in hand, rain falling. Clearly he's lost his job. And then we see him uh, actually waking up from uh, the moment when he, he thought he would have been killed by this 1518. 
uh, and then him at the uh, gravesite of his son. And he he's talking to himself while he's experiencing these things, seeing these events flash before his eyes. And he's telling himself, hey, you're still breathing. Each of these was just a moment. You can handle it. You can pull yourself back up. Uh, and he actually wakes back up and he, he's, surprised, he's surprised. He starts lashing out at this uh, group of 15, 18. He's like, you know, how am I still alive? What did you do to me? And the leader of the group says, uh, it's a veil we gave you and it's called awake. And it simulates your death, causing your brain to basically see its life, your, you know, your life flash before his eyes. So basically, and, and Sam gets it right away. He's like, okay, so you you made my life flash in front of my eyes so you could see who you were about to kill. Is that, is that it? <laughs> and uh, the, the leader, his name's Hamlin. He goes, uh, sort of. Um, and, and, but you're a pretty tough guy and you, you came out of it pretty fast. Uh, you're, you're, you know, pretty tough, just like Kendra said you were. And he's, and Sam's surprised by that. He's like, wait, what? How do you, how do you know about her? What, what are you talking about? And so Hamlin goes on to describe how Kendra came to them. And, um, uh, and so Sam thinks, well, you, you must have something to do with her murder, right? She works for the DOC, the Department of Connectivity. You guys are trying to work on shared veils and black market veils and, you know, you're doing illegal stuff. So she must have come here in sort of a, her capacity of working with the DOC to try to shut you down. And Hamlin says, no, actually she came wanting our expertise about shared veils. She wanted to share a veil that was big enough to loop in dozens of people, hundreds maybe, which is beyond even us. And Sam's like, wait, that's not, that's not even possible. But he, but he does believe Hamlin, you know, at first he doesn't. And then as Hamlin explains, he, he does seem to under not necessarily understand, but, but at least believe Hamlin. And, Hamlin says, look, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, it seemed like Kendra was more dedicated to the idea of shared veils even than, than members of the 1518 are. Um, but the fact of the matter is it just, it doesn't work. Like she wanted me to, to set her up a meet between her and someone called the widow. We don't know who the widow is. It's kind of intimated that the widow may be the, mo the smartest, the leader of the 1518, somebody who has maybe a better understanding of this veil technology. But Hamlin's like, yeah, basically it, it can't be done because you would have to upload the shared veil to a server farm to host it. Um, and those server farms are controlled by rich and powerful people. And it's just, it's not, it's not possible. You're not going to be able to get somebody like that who's in that position. They want to keep people down. They want to keep people oppressed and, uh, and separated and isolated, right? And that's another thing that everybody seeing the world in their own unique veil does in its isolation, right? And I talk about how the technology is isolating us, even from somebody who's right next to you. You keep people separate, you keep them from rising up and overthrowing the people who are in power, right? Yeah, so it's a way I, for them to, to keep their power. And and I, I love the way that he incorporates some, some real world issues and controversy about part of the dichotomy between the, the ultra rich and the poor. Like it's only the rich that have the servers, that have the farmer servers that are even capable of potentially massively sharing a, a massive shared veil it's so it's the rich and famous that control it so the divisions in society are still there you know so the and and it's very interesting that when he goes and he when when uh when detective dunez goes and ultimately goes to this beautiful he goes and visit visits the the beautiful woman that that visited him in the first issue this miss matters who is the wife of mark matters who's this billionaire tech guy or whatever you know she 
you know, he, he, he wants to question her. And, and it's very ironic that the rich and famous, she actually lives in a beautiful estate. And it's not an illusion. It's not a veil. It's actually real. She lives by a beautiful beach with a beautiful mountain and a beautiful resort. And it's all real. So the rich and the famous have the benefit of both getting the best of the real world and also the best control and access over the virtual world. And so you, you have those divisions in society as well in this world of clear that play into the narrative in the background and really heighten this sort of the frustration and some of the resentment that Detective Nunes has when he confronts Miss Matters about what she might know about his wife's murder. So it's, it's, it's you know, again, it's, it's played really well here. And for, you know, only being three issues in, I mean, it's quite impressive with the world building that has taken place. Yeah, and, do, you know, again, you can't necessarily blame Dunes for sort of jumping to conclusions in a way. You know, he he knows that, Matt, you know, Matter's husband, Mark, owns, you know, many server farms. And, and again, he's one of these rich and powerful people who, who definitely would want to keep the lower classes divided. And it just – it doesn't make sense to him. You know, it, rather, it makes sense to him in his head that she would be in on it, that she would know – that something is is going on and she actually hired him just to keep tabs on him and through him keep tabs on Kendra. Um, it seems a little bit of a stretch um, that he, he jumps to such a uh, conclusion, such a, a, you know, he's convinced of it, but she manages to turn it around and say, yeah, I did know Kendra. And she actually, she came to me and she, she wanted my help actually um, because she must've known that I hate my husband, right? I hate him and all that he does. And so Kendra came to me and she wanted to know about uploading a black veil, something that was big and that, that it was shared. And Sam's like, what, how would you even do that? How would you keep it, keep it on the server without the safeguards, you, you know, wiping it away or taking it down. And, uh, and Miss Mattersall said, well, that, that's her problem. That's what I told her that it, it would be, impossible to do because the safeguards of the servers that are automatically built in would spot it right away and take it down. And she was looking for a way to make it unseeable to the server so that it would get past the alarms. And I think she found a way to do it. Um, she, she was going to show me, but then she was killed. Um, and so then Sam says, well, do you, do you think that, and then you, you were watching her basically, and you think that she sent this veil to me? She sent me a watch and Miss Matter says, yes. And the watch must somehow be a clue. It must point the way, um, you know, I can't, I can't help you. I can't go down that road, but you can, you can find Baxter. And, and uh, Sam's like, what do you mean Baxter? That was the name of their son. That was the name of, of Sam, du Sam and Kendra Dune's son. So that's what she named the veil. The veil was named Baxter. But before they can talk anymore, uh, her husband shows up, Mark Matters and, uh, and Sam leaves and he's thinking about this, like, why would she name it Baxter? What does it mean? Why would you hide all this from me, Kendra? It, you know, does it have something to do with our son? Uh, you know, I wish you'd come to me. Um, and before he can really reach any conclusions, he, he takes the watch off, pulls over on his motorcycle, takes the watch off and he opens the back and he does see that there's a little, a little, uh, circuit board in there. And that must be where this veil Baxter is hidden. Um, hopefully with the ability to, to hide itself if uploaded to a server. But before he can do anything else, uh, a car tries to run him down, run him off the road on his motorcycle. And it, even though he's like going top speed, he's unable to uh, escape the car. And it 
sort of runs him off the road, knocks him off his bike, and he he flips over the side of a cliff and he's he's holding onto this road pylon, trying to keep from falling off. And he's talking to the guy who gets out of the car, walks up to him, and he says, "Who are you?" And the guy takes off his uh, helmet, and it's Baxter himself, or not Baxter, rather uh, Sam Dunes himself. So Sam's sitting there <laughs> trying to hold onto this pylon, and this guy's got his boot on his helmet and uh he's staring at himself so not unlike what we saw in the in the second issue right where uh, the guy that was in the the park with the tree that george washington cherry tree uh george washington had cut down uh was there and got attacked and killed by somebody that looked like himself so we're, we're sort of seeing the same same behavior here uh so who this is i'm assuming it's not a clone of sam dunes got to be some guy using a veil to make himself look like Sam and maybe he will try to take over Sam's identity to, to stop Baxter or uh, stop the veil from being uploaded like yeah there's clearly like Rocky said at the beginning this corporate espionage conspiracy theory type stuff going on so yeah I mean uh, I, I was looking at some stuff while we were talking and it does look like it's a four issue but um, I'm not sure it seems like there's a lot to wrap up <laughs> well, uh, uh, I think that, go. yeah, I think that there is, uh, I can see, I suspect that the answer to the resolution of this mystery is going to be tied in with, with the, uh, sort of like that microchip that he found that, that Dunez found, Sam found in his watch that his wife clearly put there. And I do think that, I do think it's going to be linked, uh, as I said before, uh, in the, in the car accident that led to the death of their son. When when his mother when Kendra created a veil to 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 show to show young Baxter to help him with his homework while Sam was driving, uh, Baxter rejected it. Baxter didn't want the veil, and so even Baxter didn't like the idea of a veil in front of him. So it was almost as if Baxter himself, as a child, liked his own creation. He drew his own son, like and 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 on the image itself. On the image itself, that uh, that Baxter uh, that Baxter was sort of rejecting was sort of, you know, Kendra projected the sun out in front of them on, on sort of like it, it was almost like a, a massive veil that they were all that they were all seeing. So the interesting thing is is that the event that led to the tragedy of the loss of their son almost seemed like a shared veil in and of itself that all three of them could see because it was a shared veil that caused the car accident. And so, and Kendra didn't intend for that to happen. So Kendra must have stumbled upon something precisely because of the, that accident itself. What, what caused the accident might, might've been the very thing that caused Kendra to stumble upon how to overcome the, the addiction of the veil perhaps. And maybe the answer is simpler than we might think. And so, I really like that, and I really like the fact that out of tragedy, out of such a tragedy like that, and this goes back to Sam's central uh, dysfunction, his central pain, is he doesn't want to lose his pain because if he loses his pain, he doesn't want to escape the memory of his son. He doesn't want to escape the, the last memories he had of his son, however tragic it might be, but it's the memory of his son. And it might be that very memory, that very incident, that maybe you know something, it triggers a memory in Sam that will lead to victory at the end of issue four, if this is in fact only a four issue series. So, I mean, you know, I don't mind short stories when they all wrap up nice and all the narrative pieces are in place because the best mysteries 
are the ones that the seeds are planted in the narrative that you can figure it out yourself. And it looks like maybe that's where we're headed here with uh, Snyder's story here. So, so far, I mean, I'm definitely, I, I can't wait to see how this ends. Yeah, again, it's it's hard to overstate just how perfect this is for this medium. You know, it's got the right amount of emotion. It's got beautiful art. The pacing is fantastic. Um, one of the things about comics, and, and I've had a few people on the show that have talked about this recently. Tom King talked about it mo most recently. Hope you guys all checked out that episode on Christmas. And, and I've talked about it in the past. So much of what happens in comics happens between the panels, right? More, more of the stories happens in, in what's called the gutters than you actually see on the page. These are, these are static images, right? It's not a movie. It's not a TV show. And it's an unlimited budget when you're talking about what the artist can draw. Um, so when it comes to what you see in the panels and, and the sequential storytelling, the transitions from panel to panel being seamless, uh, it, it matters so much what you see and what you don't see, because what you don't see, your mind fills in. And what Snyder and Francis Manipal have done here is they have filled those empty spaces. They filled those gutters with, with perfect emotion and perfect pacing. And you, you can easily imagine our own world heading down this path, right? Like it's got enough yeah. meta. And, and I don't think that Scott was, um, you know, he wasn't to the point where he, he was trying to comment on, on today's technology and divisiveness in the world and, and what, how technology separates us, at least not on the surface, right? Like all that's subtextual. And I, I think, you know, he lives in this world. So obviously it's going to leak into the story because it's subconscious at some point. Um, but he probably intentionally did put some of it there, but not to the extent that it comes across on the page because we all also bring our own life experiences to it, our own perception of the world and how technology is, is starting to begin to divide us, even though it's supposed to make the world smaller and better and able to communicate uh, much easier. Um, and so it, it has that aspect to it, but the backbone of the story, like I said, the, the structure is this pulp crime noir detective story that has so much to do with emotion, that has so much to do with tragedy and the baggage that Sam Dunes carries around. And we finally get so much context brought to that aspect of the story in this issue by the, you know, just from the first few pages, you know, the, the first panel and the first page, Sam and Kendra getting married and then her discovering she's pregnant and then, uh, you know, having their child. And then the, the tragedy of losing him in, in the car accident on the streets of San Francisco, which is just devast devastating. You know, any, any parent loses a child, that's, that's devastating. And, um, you know, a lot of marriages aren't strong enough to survive that, right? And I, I as a, as a parent, as a father, um, and somebody who's married, I can totally understand that. Like, my daughter looks so much like my wife. If I were to lose my daughter, like, every time I looked at my wife, I would see my daughter's face because they... Yeah. You know, and how do you, how do you, I hear you. yeah, we're, we got similar lives in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't daughter, know yeah. that I, yeah, I don't know that I would want to look at my wife's face every day because I would see my daughter. That would be so hard. So, uh, again, it, it's a masterful job by, uh, by Francis Manipal giving us these images, uh, and, and especially the color, which helps, uh, set the tone of the story, which is a little morose, this issue. 
as it should be based on the fact that Dunes has got, undergone all this trauma and, and the pacing and the scripting by Snyder's is fantastic. So I keep saying that every time we review one of these uh, best jacket comicsology originals, I'm like, okay, that's my favorite one. And then I go and read another issue of another one. I'm like, that's my favorite one. So I don't know if that trend will continue, but, and, and we, we haven't yet got, um, we have demons three. I don't know if maybe, um, uh, Greg Capullo fell behind a little because that we got, that was the first one released and we already got the first two issues of we have demons, but then, um, we haven't gotten issue three of we had demons, but we already have issue three of clear and, uh, and Rocky and I will be back to talk about, uh, night of the ghoul, uh, probably tomorrow for you guys. So, um, I, I, I don't know this is my favorite and I, and I reserve the right to change my mind. And, you know, after I, we talk about night of the ghoul, maybe I'll say that's my favorite or we have demons three might blow, you know, blow me away and creep up to the top. But I don't know, well, like right now, I don't see how something, a best jacket title for me tops clear. I mean, this is yeah. just fantastic. And, and I'd be lying if I said this doesn't hit a little bit close to home, uh, just on the, on the just stark reality that, Every single day at a pro, just the way my iPhone is set up, every single day at approximately 8.45 in the morning, my iPhone reminds me how many hours I spent on social media the day before. And I usually average between five and a half to seven hours a day between, and I work and then I come home. I often watch TV on my iPhone, not necessarily on my, uh, on my TV. And I sometimes work you know, eight to, to 10 hour days. And I'm thinking, good Lord. Now, sometimes my phone is on, on at work. But anyways, my point being is that, you know, I don't necessarily need to live a different reality. Uh, when I'm, if I'm on my iPhone all the time, whether it's a virtual reality or, re I mean, does it really matter? I mean, it, it does make me realize, good Lord, you know, maybe I need to, you know, uh, anyways, it's kind of a, kind of a wake up call. We all know the dangers of maybe of, well, we, actually, we don't. It's 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 an open question. We different people have different theories about you know the consequences of spending too much line online, and maybe 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 I'm maybe I'm doing YouTube videos too damn much. Maybe I should go spend some more time with the wife. Uh, who knows? But uh, <laughs> but it does. You know, these, this opens up questions that we should all maybe take a hard look at the way that we approach social media in general. And this is such a perfect title for this series clear i mean some things aren't so clear and that there, there's an irony in the title that you can interpret it multiple different ways uh, i'm i'm huge on metaphor i love comics that make you think and uh, even if i even if i don't like a comic if it makes me think i think it's done its job because that's what it's supposed to do this is a comic that well number one i do love it and two it makes me think so it's and and it's beautifully uh, told, beautifully illustrated. So it's got the trifecta right there. So uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see how this ends. Yeah, I I agree. And uh, while I'm very much looking forward to the end of the the story of of Sam Dunes, I I hope we get more. Again, I mean this this concept that Scott and Francis have created lends itself to a myriad of stories. So I, I hope we get plenty more. So we hope you guys all enjoyed the interview. Definitely go, uh, or review, I should say, definitely go check out Clear. Just a reminder, there's three different ways you can get it. You can go to Amazon, do a search for Clear Com Comixology number three, and buy the individual issues. But that is going to be the most expensive. If you have an Amazon Prime uh, account already, you get all the Comixology originals for free. 
If you don't, you can just subscribe to Comixology Unlimited, which I think is $7.99 a month. So for $2 more than a single issue of Clear, you get all the Comixology originals, plus you get um, the Comixology Unlimited Library, which is something like 40,000 books from Marvel, DC, Image, Independent, all kinds of stuff. If you have the Amazon Prime, you just get the Comixology uh, originals. So whichever way works best for you, there's links in the show notes uh, that you can go and find ways to uh, to check it out. So uh, I definitely encourage you guys all to, to read Clear. I mean, this is fantastic. And if you're just somebody who absolutely hates digital comics and only likes reading comics that you know you physically are holding in your hands, don't worry. This is coming later in 2022 in print from Dark Horse Comics. So uh, we appreciate you guys uh, joining us for the review. As always, if you're listening to us on uh, the audio only, be sure you head over to YouTube, do a search for Comic Space Boom exclamation point. That's Rocky's channel. Give him, uh, give this video a like. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, ring that notification bell so you know whenever new content comes out. Conversely, if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure you head over to your favorite podcast app or platform and do a search for the comic source and subscribe so you don't miss any of our audio-only content. So we appreciate you joining us as always, and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.